Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are If you've ever uh, been water baptized, you know that it's been a very... Um, a monumental day of your life. I know for me it was. It was a very, it was a day that I will not forget and a day that was special. And it meant a lot. And I, and I remember leaving those waters just truly transformed and, and just, just so in love with the Lord. And, and really my life has never been the same since. And I believe today's going to be special um, for these individuals. For the last two weeks uh, here at our nest, the last two weeks, we've been discussing the theme nurture. Time to nurture, and we said to develop, to, to nourish, to grow, and to foster. Those are the things that we, we were discussing here. And I pray that all of us have taken to account and acknowledge for ourselves whether we are watering flowers or watering poison ivy. And we discussed that on that first week of nurturing, that we were talking about nurturing that we would nurture the good things, that we would nurture the right things, that in return would nurture us, making us a more whole, complete, and lively child of God. Remember that? That which you nurture would nurture you back. And today, as, as we, it's different from nurture, but yet it could still tie it all in. We keep saying this, but today is a special day. And today is a day that we can celebrate, celebrate in a time when celebration can be difficult. I think Omar was up here and he said something very similar to that. To celebrate in a time where it can be difficult. Because in a little while, that's what we'll do as a church. We'll partake in something that, that all believers are commanded to do. If you're here today and you're a believer and you've never been water baptized, it's something that the Lord has commanded all of us. All of us to do. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been or you should be ready to be water baptized. And that's something that all of us, it's a stamp in all of us, in in which you are fully immersed in the water. Fully immersed for the reason of making a public declaration of life, of the life, of the death, of the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you could say amen? Amen. That in your heart you have received the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And today you are alive for that main reason. Because Jesus Christ lived, died, was buried, but he resurrected for you. That's, that's what we hold. And, and that's, what, that's the gospel. And that's, that's what's in us. That's what's alive in us. That in, the, in this water baptism, what is it that these individuals will be saying If you've been water baptized, what is it that you said, you declared, you demonstrated in those waters? We're saying that there has been an an internal, a supernatural, a spiritual miracle that has taken place in our lives. If, If you could testify that a supernatural, spiritual 
miracle has taken place in your lives. Can, can you just say, look at that, amen, raise your hands, amen, 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 amen. God has done a miracle in your life. And you might be like, well, I, I, was, I was hoping that I could walk and I can't walk. I was hoping I, I'm sick and I could get healed. I, I, I mean, the greatest miracle of all is I was once going to go to hell and I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I know whether my physical body doesn't get healed or not, I know that my spiritual man will live for all eternity. Like that is the greatest miracle over all humanity. The greatest miracle, and we're living in a time where we're seeing that that is the greatest miracle. When Christians can be lined up and be shot down and killed. Well, where was God there? Where was God when all those Christians got decapitated or they got shot? I'll tell you where he was. He was standing before them ready to receive their souls into the great glorious presence. Like, that, that's where our mind, I was sharing with, I don't know if it was someone from here or but I was sharing with someone yesterday that that's what Scripture is all about. As we spoke on Peter's letters and as we speak about Paul all the time, he's writing, they're writing letters to persecuted Christians who at any moment can die for Jesus. And many of them have already died for Jesus. They know someone close to them that have died. And in their letters, it's a constant reminder, what? To find joy, to find joy, to find joy. How do you want me to find joy in the times that we're living in Peter and Paul? And if you look at their letters carefully, if you look at their wordage carefully, it was to find joy in their eternity with Christ Jesus. To the point that Paul says, when you gather about eternity, about paradise, because why? That's going to be your hope. In this room, right, we're not, all, we're not ignorant, right? In this room, can we all come to an agreement to know that we will all die one day? Some younger, some older. Some will be sad, some will be tragic. But at the end of the day, there is a moment where it all comes down and where the Lord says, they're done on earth. And that is the great promotion day. That is the day we graduate. That is the day we get crowned with the crown of life and we stand before the almighty presence of Yahweh. The presence of God. Not for a moment, but for all eternity, our eyes will see and our ears will hear things they've never seen and heard. I'm telling you, it'll be a beautiful moment. And that's what we are. The Lord has made you. The Lord has made me. The Lord has made us a new creation. We are a new people. And you testify and you said, amen, God has done a miracle in my life. He has. You're a new person. You're a new creation. You once were fallen, spiritually sick, but now you have hope of eternity that rests in your heart. We're united in him in death. And we also share in him the victory of his resurrection. Come on, don't just stay in Christ's death. But also share in the victory of his resurrection. The Christian faith is not about dying. Study it closely. There's something that comes after dying. Our faith, our walk with the Lord is about resurrection. And that's what water baptism is. It's death and it's resurrection. And these individuals will go into the water and say, I've died, and I share in his death, but I also rejoice, and I share as they come out of the water in his resurrection. And I believe that if you've been water baptized, you know exactly what that means to you. Amen? Let's see what Paul says and how he speaks on this in Romans chapter 6. I'll read verses 5 and on. And just listen to these words. 
Paul says, since we have been united in him in his death, we also shall be raised to life as he was. Amen. Thank you for that. Because I know that in my life, it's not just about dying. I know that at the end of it, it's really all about living. Right now, everything that's being pushed on you, everything that's being driven into your ears, into your eyes, it's about death. It's about dying. But I love that scripture reminds us that we have been raised to life and we will be raised to life for all eternity as he was. It's a, it's a joy, it's a reminder for us. Verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So we were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. How many of you were gripped by sin? You couldn't shake it off. It was like a fish that was hooked and you, he couldn't come off the hook. And as much as he pushed and tried, it was just killing him because he couldn't get the hook out of his mouth. How many of you were trapped by sin like that at a point of your life? And when you've come to meet Jesus, he pops the hook out, throws you back in, and he says, receive freedom. Receive that freedom. He says here, our old sinful selves have been crucified so that sin might lose its power. Sin no longer has the power. I once was hooked, but sin, no, I'll wash my hands, I'll sanitize before I shake any of your hands. But, but sin no longer has its power. It's been done. It's, it's over the power of sin. It says we are no longer slaves to it. A fish is a slave to that which is on the other side of it. He's hooked on it and he's, and he's just being, he's gonna, he's, you're coming in the boat. You're a slave to the one that caught you now. So, so much a slave that you will be eaten. You'll be taken down. You'll be destroyed once and for all. And, and, and we see this here, and Paul is saying, no, the power of sin is no more. It's lost its power, and we're no longer slaves to it. How many of you could say amen? Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free. And, and if I'm set free to anything, guess what I'm set free from? I'm set free from the power of sin. Oh, what are you trying to say? There's no more sin in your life. No, no, no. Yes, there is. Sin will continue to abide. We're continuing to conquer it. But I will say that sin should not continue to have power over you. It's what drives you when you wake up. It's what pushes you throughout the day. Sin no longer has that power over you. Now you do weird things like you listen to worship music. Now you do weird things like you fast. You do weird things and you come to church on a Sunday when you used to be hungover and Sundays was a day to recuperate. And like, I don't have to recuperate because I'm not getting drunk till 3 in the morning. What is it that happened to you? You took the hook off. Power lost. Sin lost its power over your life. That's the reality of all of us. That's where we've been. And if you're here today, like, I want that in my life. What a day to be here to take that hook. I'm going to ask you to come up to the front, and a group of us are going to take that hook out of your mouth and set you free in Jesus' name. Why not? Let's do it. And then we'll go baptize you in your clothes and everything. Go home soaked and wet. It's all good. We might have extra shirts or something. We'll see. We do. All right, you're getting baptized today. We do. What does Paul say? He says this, verse uh, 8, and since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Yes. And we are sure of this because Christ has raised from the dead and he will never die again. Man, Christ will never die again. 
And death no longer has any power over him who lives inside of you. Who lives? Who empowers you? Who directs you and leads you? Come on, is Christ living inside of you? If you're here and you're saying Christ lives inside of me, I have some good news for you. And the good news is that, that he'll never die. Death has no power over him. Verse 10, when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now the one that lives, and he lives, and he lives in you, he lives for the glory of God. So you live for the glory of God, church. We live for the glory of God. Look at the person next to you and say, you live for the glory of God. Hopefully, if they're not, right now, their spirit is shake, has been shook because they've been confronted by that statement. Oh, why did you have to tell me that? Because I've not been living for the glory of God. You live for the glory of God. Verse 11, I love it. I highlighted it, underlined it. It says this. So you also should consider yourselves. You should also consider yourselves. Consider myself what, Paul? Consider yourself, Regal, to be dead. And specifically to the power of sin. Again, I'm repeating that. And alive. Consider yourself alive to God. And none other way, none other road, no other passage, and no other medicine. It is through Jesus Christ. People talk about taking psychedelics and mushrooms and they find this revelation of God. You don't need any of that. My God is more powerful than a mushroom in your mouth. And like, people just do the craziest thing to try to get spiritual when, the, when he's right before them. Right before them trying to get their attention. Hallelujah. Today, we celebrate. And we celebrate Christ. And we celebrate these individuals who've considered themselves, considered themselves. If you're one of the ones that are getting baptized, you should say that. I consider myself. I consider myself. And what is it that you consider yourself? Well, here it is. They consider themselves to be dead to the power of sin that held them in bondage. And now they're alive to God through Jesus Christ. How many of us could cheer them on and say, good job. Keep going forward. It's just beginning the work of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen. Today we, we get to celebrate the wonder of working power of Jesus Christ in the lives of our brothers and sisters. I I will say that phrase again because I think that is a very important phrase. The wonder, it's a wonder. The wonder working power of Christ in their lives. You've encountered the wonder working power of Jesus in your life, haven't you? That salvation has entered their lives and they've begun to believe. Here's the nurture part. They've begun, they began to grow and develop into the person that the Lord has destined them to be. These that will get in the water can testify. These that get in the water should be able to give witness of the nurturing work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I almost feel like calling them up one by one and say, give us one way that the Holy Spirit is nurturing your life. But I didn't warn them about that. They'll, get, they'll start panicking. <laughs> because if not, we can't baptize you. We can't baptize you. If you come up and you're like, I have no idea how the Holy Spirit has nurtured my life. I'm like, what are you doing getting baptized then? Like, come on, salvation had to have happened. But we're all there, amen? The Holy Spirit is doing a work in the way I think and decisions I'm making and 
the Holy Spirit is doing something. If you've encountered Jesus, if you've encountered the salvation, there has been change. Everyone say change. A change in which means transformation. There is a transformation occurrence in which you died with Christ and you've been set free from the power of sin. Amen. In which you're no longer slaves to your sin. And like we said, you now consider yourself alive to God through through Jesus Christ. Number two, amen. The word baptize is important. It comes from a Greek word, baptizo, and it means to be deep, deep. <laughs> yeah, deeply dipped. The word baptize, it means to be immersed, submerged, kind of like a vessel, completely sunk in the water. That's what baptism is. In scripture, you'll never see a sprinkling. In scripture, you won't see that. It's completely just immerse them in the water and bring them right back out, obviously, enough time so that they could live. You hold them down enough so that they could feel death. But then you bring them up just so that they can make it. We had a baptism class last Sunday. And I told some of them, some of you, by the way you're answering some of these questions, I'm going to leave you a little bit longer down there. <laughs> right when I feel the pulse, and I see that, that <laughs> and I see it weakens. And I say, bring them back up. So some people today, you'll see them go, <gasps> and you all cheer when that happens, and you rejoice because they died and they came to life. It's going to be a fun baptism. It's going to be a fun baptism. So my wife will be in there with me. So if anyone doesn't come back up, I'm going to blame it on her, and I'm running out of here. <laughs> baptism will take you out with enough breath. Some of you are like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get baptized. <laughs> He's definitely not convincing me to get baptized. It's not happening. I thought about it when he, was, when he riled me up in the first five minutes, but now he's changed my mind. We're not going to do that to you. Baptism, to completely submerge. It's a cleansing. It's a submerging. It's to make that which is clean. It's to overwhelm. I love some of these definitions. And, and even spiritually, it means to cleanse. I, you know, I was looking at one of the definitions for baptism as it talks about cleansing and purify, but I love this. It's to cleanse and purify, especially through an ordeal. <laughs> so today we're going to cause an ordeal. We're going to, you know, get in the water and get out of the water and things are going to splash. And people are going to sing and there's going to be music outside. We're going to have a food truck and we're going to eat. It's going to be a big Why do you make it such a big ordeal? Because baptism, the real definition of it is that, is to be cleansed and purified by an ordeal. Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ got baptized and he went into the water and when he came out of the water, the sky opened, the Holy Spirit fell upon him like a dove and a voice was heard, that is my son, do as he says. That was a big ordeal when he got baptized. Why? Because it's a big ordeal. It's a big ordeal. I believe this. I really do. That if our eyes and if you guys, I think it's eight of you, when you come out of that water and you look up, if, you could, if the heavens could just open and you could see the spiritual things and you could see the realm of heaven and you could see the throne room of God, I wonder what your eyes would see. I believe you're going to see angels dancing, singing, cartwheeling. I don't know what they do in that place of glory, but I'm sure it is a sight to be seen and heard. I mean, there is a rejoicing that is happening. Because it's a big ordeal. Amen. I won't have time to go verse by verse like I wish I could and teach on this story. But there's a story in the Old Testament. There's many stories in the Old Testament that we could look at baptism. One of them I shared with the class was 
when the Hebrews left Egypt into the promised land, that was an Old Testament form of baptism. It was to teach the water baptism that was to come in the New Testament, where Egypt represented sin, the old man, the old lifestyle, slavery, right? And when you come into what? To a new place, to a new land, to what? A land that I'm showing you for you and your descendants to be in. What does that represent? The promised land. Just like you and I, right? What are we waiting for? The promised land. But watch this. How many of you are waiting for the promised land? Okay, this is scary. We need to have a salvation call today. Five of you are saved in this church. So we're waiting for the promised land, amen? Though you're waiting for the promised land, how many of you have experienced that the promised land is alive in you? There's a hunger inside of you for it because it's in there. Because you have the owner of it inside of you, amen? So in the Old Testament, away from the Hebrews, there's also another story. And, I, and I'll go ahead and I'll give you a little, a little summary about it. Or um, it's, it's actually found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's a story of Naaman. And the story of Naaman is, is very powerful. Here's a man who was commander of the army of Syria. And he was an honorable man in chapter 5 verse 1 it says. But what happens here is as he was a man of valor, a man of respect and honor, there was a problem with Naaman. Does anyone know what his problem was? He had leprosy. He was a leper. And if you know anything in scripture, a leper was a disease that you were outcasted if you had it. Doesn't matter how va much valor he had, how respected he was, and what a great commander of the army of Syria he was. If he had leprosy, he was done with. So what happens to Naaman is he's confronted with a big ordeal in his life. And the ordeal is, I'm a good guy. I'm a good man. I got people under my command. Shoot. But I have leprosy. You've been there in your life where there's just that one thing, that one thing in your life. You're just crying out to the Lord because you just need to be restored. I, I, just, I just need to truly be restored from God. So what happens is there was a, a raid that the Syrians went on and they brought back some captives. And as they brought some captives from Israel... They made a mistake. Well, no, they didn't make a mistake. It was God's perfect plan. Because something happened that was very special, and I love how God works because sometimes we don't see it. You look at a raid, and you're like, wow, it's human trafficking. Again, just like we learned about Joseph. Why does this continue to happen in Scripture? Well, God is going to have in the midst of such evil and darkness, such goodness and light. As they bring in captives, guess who they bring? They bring a young girl. Everyone say a young girl. I love how the Lord uses young people in Scripture. And he brings this young girl from Israel. And out of everywhere that she could have been in Syria, guess who they put her with? You will serve the wife of Naaman, the man with leprosy. You're going to serve him. Serve her. Serve that family. You're in their home. Out of all the people. So she comes to know Naaman. And she comes to know his wife and has a heart for them. And one day she says, if only my master Naaman would know the prophet of Israel, he would be healed. It comes to Naaman's ear. And he says, say what? So he now goes to the king of Syria as the commander. And he says, hey, you know this slave that I have in my house that we, we took her captive from Israel? She says that there's a prophet in Israel that she knows that could make me well and remove me from my leprosy and restore me. Everyone say restore. And could restore me and make me well, make me whole. He says, go. I'm going to send a letter with you. 
the king of Israel opens the letter and he gets mad because he says, is this some sort of trick that Syria writes me a letter, the king of Syria, to mock me, to come and heal one of their commanders? Like if I'm some sort of healer, <laughs> you do the same thing. But in the background, Elijah's like, king, um, he's talking about me, the prophet of Israel. Tell him to come over here. Tell him to go to my house. We'll, we'll heal him. We'll show him who the true and living God is. So he goes with an entourage and he goes with all this gold and he goes because he thinks, oh, I got to take him something, you know, for my healing. Because we think, right, like maybe if I give God, like, God doesn't need your riches. God just needs you what? Poor in spirit. That's it. Come to him poor in spirit. We come before him with our ideas and our riches and our grandeur of, of thoughts and God's like, uh, humble yourself. Get on the floor and be overwhelmed just by my feet. <laughs> so he comes and Elijah does something from the heart of God. He says, um, hey, do me a favor. This mighty man is down there with the entourage and a lot of gold and all that stuff. Go tell him to dip himself in the water seven times. So he gets told that and now Naaman gets mad. You've read this story before? He gets upset. And he says, who does this prophet think he is that he can't even come down and see me and wave his hand in front of me to heal me? That he just gives me a command to go to the waters of Israel. I forgot the name of the exact waters and what it's called. I'll find it. It's somewhere in my notes there. Is it Jordan? Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? And he, let's go, man. Come on. And he gets his Calvary. And one of his servants says, Naaman, I hope all of you have a friend in your life like, Na like Naaman had. He stopped him and said, Naaman, consider that you might be wrong. Will it hurt you to just try what he's telling you to do rather than being filled with so much pride and going back to Syria as a leper and sick? Just do what he tells you to do and let's see what happens. It's not going to kill you. Sometimes we just need a person in our lives to say, you're crying for restoration but you're not taking the right steps and making the right decisions to really be restored. Don't give me that junk. Amen. The Bible's good, I'm telling you. Don't give me that stuff. You want to be restored? Then do what God says. <laughs> That's what the, we need someone like that in our life. I need someone like, just tell me what it is. Like, I, I don't, I was good. like, no, I'm over that. I'm 40, so I don't have time for 40. So I'm 40 years old already. I have kids that are growing up. I have a ministry that makes me cry every day. I can't just have a pat on my back. I need someone to tell me what it is. That's what we need with love. Naaman, do what he tells you, man. Shut up and go in the water. All right, I'll do it. One, two, three, stupid four. This is dumb five. You're an idiot. Say, well, I don't know why I'm your friend. I should never have seven. It's powerful. Naaman had two diseases on this day. He had multiple, but two that we could really just focus on today. He had what? Leprosy. But do you really think leprosy was his problem? What was his problem? You know what he needed to be restored from? Not from leprosy. He needed to be restored from his pride, his ego was too big. He thought he was going to get healed from leprosy. But what God wanted to do was, I'm going to heal you from your pride. But I'm going to use leprosy to do it. 
It's about what you're praying for, what you're asking for. You're asking the Lord, heal me from this. And he says, right, but I'm going to use this to heal you from this. That's a beautiful thing because the Lord cares more about your spiritual being than he does your physical. He cares about your physical, but he cares more about your eternity. Amen? Amen. Pride and leprosy. Your flesh, in verse 10, shall be restored, Naaman. You shall be clean. What has been eating you up, it will be restored and you'll be healed. I love that word restored. I'm going to tell you something. Baptism brings restoration. Baptism brings restoration. Say that. Write that down. Baptism brings restoration. The word restoration, to restore, it's to bring back into existence. To reestablish, to restore order. I would like to pray for some of you today before we pray for those that get baptized. And if there's things that are out of order in your life, can we pray today that there's a spiritual baptism, that things that are out of order will be established, and that you would come to a place where you restore order in your life once and for all for Christ. Amen? Restore to bring back to the original normal condition, to a state of health. Do you feel unhealthy? Do you feel like your mind is unhealthy? There's no soundness. There's no longer vigor in your life. I, I need to go back to what God wants me to be. Return to life. I need energy. I need a new life. I need strength. Put me together and put together that which has been torn and broken. I'm telling you today, baptism brings restoration. Amen. In verse 11, times we want a more dramatic and colorful picture of what healing is other than this, but, but God may be doing something totally different. And he dips himself, he washes himself in these, in verse 10, and that's the word in which we get baptism, baptizo. And what is he doing, Naaman? He's completely submerging himself. He's completely cleansing himself. And I love the end of this. He returns to Elisha. And as he returns to Elisha, he turns, into, uh, it, it turns back to him. Look how he turns. I'm going to read it to you. Look at verse 15. It says, he returns to the man of God, he and all of his aides, his entourage, and he came and he stood before him and he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take, my, take a gift from your servant. What happens to Naaman's life? He comes from Syria where there's false gods, multiple gods, the worship of idols and in this moment of his baptism he says there is only one true god and it's the god of israel okay you know what i wasn't going to share this but i'm going to look how powerful his changes i don't need your gifts naaman says elisha come on take it it's the least i can do i don't need it god doesn't need your gifts so so i need you to do me one favor then elisha you want to hear what he tells I think this is so powerful. Watch this. Verse, I'll start from 17. Naaman said then, verse 17, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of, of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. So we'll stop there for a moment. I'm only going to worship God. I'm not going to lo no longer worship false gods. Look at verse 18. Yet, in this thing, may the Lord pardon, forgive me, your, your, your servant. <laughs> this is Naaman. When my master goes into the temple of Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down into the, into the temple, 
When I bow down in that temple, may the Lord please pardon. May the Lord please forgive me in this thing. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back home, but you know, they're going to make me do some things. And, and please let, let your Lord know that that's not my God. That When I bow down, I truly bow down to him. Naaman's life is fully transformed. Naaman's life has been restored. And there's been a change. Baptism changes you. Baptism restores you. And I end with this quick message today. Baptism equips you to do his work. If you've been restored from the Lord and from spiritual baptism, I'm telling you today that every single one of you should be equipped and fulfilling the good work that the Lord has for you. Seriously, seriously, seriously. Each one of you stand up and testify of the work that you're doing for Christ. Do you have something to share because he's equipped you to do a good work. The start of Jesus' ministry, or when he gets water baptized, if you want to say it, we see that Jesus has no sin. But Jesus, too, was to be baptized. In Mark chapter 1, verse 9, and T could come up here and, and maybe just funk it up a little bit. In Mark chapter 1, verse 9, that means play. Funk, F-U-N-K, funk on the guitar. Oh, no, that's, maybe that's the 60s or something, my bad. <laughs> I got very uh, give me a band from like those days give me a band give me, what's your band don't say Beatles I don't have no idea who they are alright <laughs> Mark 1 back to scripture thank you Betsy Betsy's there allowing me back to the word hey, shh, come back Mark 1 verse 9 and 10 it says one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River as Jesus came up out of the water this is what we were talking about the heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove what a beautiful moment you have moments in the Bible like ah there's that thing I wish I could have been at like I, I, would, I, I would love to have been like when Lazarus was raised from the dead I, want, I wanted to be there I wanted to be in the walking on water. I want to be here on this day. There's a, there's a couple episodes like, I wish I could, I could just go back to that day. I look at Mark 1, 9 and 10, and here's God himself. Here's Jesus, the Son of God. And now he's equipped to do the work that is placed before him. It says in verse 10 that the Spirit descended upon him. So now he's equipped for his earthly ministry. What, what's his earthly ministry of? It's what's well, to die and to resurrect. That's what we're going to do now. But it's a ministry of healing, of teaching, of preaching, of performing miracles. All because of the power of baptism. Notice that all of that came after his water baptism. Maybe you're here today like, I've never been water baptized, fully immersed. They sprinkled head on me when I was a child, but today I recognize I have to be fully immersed. Today's the day you have a tank. I'm teaching you about what water baptism is. Don't make me call another baptism day when we have it right now, right in front of you, in a food truck that you could eat at right after. Oh, but I don't have no clothes. You've done crazier things in your life. Let's not take out the real. And let's not play it here. What you've done with clothes on and with clothes off. All right, back to there. God is good. All right, and he says, earthly ministry to do all these things. When you receive this baptism of the Spirit, because I'm talking about a, a spiritual one, the salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're now equipped for any task that God has assigned us to. 
I've heard so many of you say, oh, if God wasn't in my life, I don't know where I'd be. Oh, if God wasn't with me, I would have never been able to do that. What are you really saying? He's equipped you. That's why you say those things, weirdos. We're weird. We're a bunch of weirdos. It's amazing. It's good. We're bad, man. We're bad people, man. And bad isn't good. Funk, bad. I'm, I'm excited for you guys getting baptized, I guess. That's what's wrong with me. It's a good thing. We're different than the rest of this world. We should be at least. When you receive this, you can now do these things because baptism equips you for his work. The Lord is ready to baptize. As John the Baptist, and this is what I close up with, when he was drawing huge crowds in the wilderness, there were many questions being asked to him. Who are you for real, John? Are you one of the prophets? John, are you, are you the Messiah? John, who are you? Because John was a spectacle man. He was out in the wilderness eating grasshoppers, dipping it in honey and chewing on it. I know, I get it. Now people eat roaches with chocolate. John started that nonsense. He was eating grasshoppers. Before other people did it, John was dipping it. I eat grasshoppers for fun. Dip it in some honey. Dressed in camel's hair and saying crazy things. Probably had dreadlocks and out in the wilderness. He was a bad man. So bad that people needed to see him and they would travel all the way to the wilderness. I need to hear this crazy man. Some of you are like, that's kind of like why I came today. I got to go listen to that crazy man. Nah, hope not. Hope not. Hope not. But he was crazy. He was wild. He was different. And they start to ask him, who are you? Are you one of the prophets? Are you the Messiah? And John the Baptist gives him a response. A response that will kickstart the work of Jesus. A response that invites the great baptism that awaits them. A response that invites the great baptism that if anyone else would come to believe in Jesus, they could receive this great baptism that awaits them. There is a baptism in which I baptize you in, John the Baptist says. But there's another man that is coming who baptizes you different, with different elements than that which I baptize you with. Want to know what John says? No, I'll tell you anyways. He says, I baptize with water. Whoever repent of their sins and turn to God, I'll baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. He's so much greater that I'm not worthy of even to be his slave and to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat. My God, is he doing that? with the winnowing fork and he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into the barn but burning the shaft with a never-ending fire this man is coming and when he comes he's coming to baptize and the reason why he's coming to baptize is because he's separating the ones he loves he's separating the ones who love him from the ones who don't this is who's coming this is who's coming I'm gonna ask you to stand with me Jesus steps into the scene one day as John is water baptizing. And 
John looks at him and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm here to tell you today that baptism changes. I'm here to tell you today that baptism can restore you. I'm here to tell you today that baptism equips you. So this is what I would like to do. We're doing wonderful on time. We've, I don't think we've ever finished church at this time. So this is what I would like to do. I want you to really meditate. Take inventory, examine deep down. How many of you are like Naaman right now that truly just need to be restored? That truly just need the waters of heaven. You need a spiritual baptism to restore you from something inward that you know in your life. It just needs to be alive and it needs to come to life again. This is what I would like to do and I'm not going to try to push you guys and try to make it uncomfortable to get you up here. But if you're at that desperate place and that's you, I'm going I'm to ask you, if you need to run, just run up here. And I'm going to ask whoever needs to pray for these people. You come up here and you pray with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't come and pray over them shallow prayers. As you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray for them. And say, Lord, I pray that you baptize them right now. Baptize them in that spiritual baptism that restores a spiritual baptism that equips them to do good work. So if you feel like you could pray that and help me and pray for some of these people, pray with that intensity. Pray with that tenacity of I pray for them, for that which is deep within them. That Lord, you would restore them and that you would equip them to do the good work that you called them to do. That as we speak about baptism, that you would change and transform in their lives. Come on, let's begin to pray. If you're all good, I want you to stretch out your hands and maybe just pray for them right there where you're at. Just begin to pray for this group. Holy Spirit, that you would move in a mighty way. Holy Spirit, that you would transform hearts. Do a miracle right now.